last Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, we began the 40-day season of spiritual preparation for Easter we call Lent. Lent is a time for deep reflection, to reflect upon our lives and to repent of our sin, those things that we do, but also these, those things that we fail to do that keep us from living fully as God would have us to live. But Lent is not only a time to see our sin and, and to repent of it, Lent is also a season for beholding our Savior. It's a time to hear his words of life. And during the, this Lenten season, we will be uh, concentrating our listening on the words that Jesus speaks from the cross. In the four Gospels of the New Testament, Jesus speaks seven words, seven last words from the crucified Jesus of Nazareth. These last words will be our focus for the six Sundays of Lent. And if we allow them, they will lead us into renewal, into new life. Today, our focus is upon the, the traditional first of the last words from the Gospel of Luke. Today, we hear, hear words for sinners like us. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. As we prepare to hear and to receive God's word, let us pray for God's illuminating grace. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Alight upon us with truth and grace and power. Burn away all that distracts us from receiving the words of life that Jesus speaks to us today and from following them wherever you lead. Amen. Our scripture reading today is part of the passion narrative in Luke's gospel. Jesus has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's been brought before the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin. And then the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. And Pilate sends Jesus to King Herod, the Roman client of Judea. But Herod sends him back to Pilate. Our reading from the Gospel of Luke begins in the 23rd chapter, verses 13 through 26 and 32 through 35. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people. And here I have examined him in your presence, and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, who sent him back to us, Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow, release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? 
I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urging, urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized the man Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you know the name Corey Ten Boon? She was a Dutch Christian who, along with her family, helped hundreds of Dutch Jews escape from the Holocaust during World War II after the Germans invaded the Netherlands in May of 1940. But Corey and her family's resistance work came to the attention of the German Gestapo. And Corey and her father and her sister were arrested in February of 1944. Corey and her sister Betsy were eventually sent to Ravensbrück, a Nazi concentration camp, especially for women. They were imprisoned for doing what was morally and ethically right. Their experience in the Nazi concentration camp was nothing short of horrific. They were put into forced labor and made to work for a mere pittance of spoiled food. The living conditions in the camp were atrocious and inhumane. Salvation and uh, uh, starvation, excuse me, starvation and disease spread rapidly among the prisoners. They were subjected to all kinds of humiliation and degradation. What was especially difficult was the terrible treatment that she and so many others received from the prison guards. They mocked and used the prisoners for their own evil purposes. Corey and her sister Betsy were forced to pass naked through a delousing shower. All the while, the male prisoners leered at them. Corey survived these experiences and her imprisonment, and she was eventually released. But sadly, none of her family members survived the brutal and inhumane conditions of the Nazis. Now, after the war, Corey Ten Boom became a popular speaker. She spoke throughout Europe and in North America. She shared her experiences and how her faith gave her strength to 
persevere under terrible circumstances. And during one of the speaking tours, she especially emphasized the need to forgive. She urged forgiveness as the means to bring healing to the scars of war. Typically, after one of her speeches, members of the audience would come and speak with her. And one night, while she was in Munich, Germany, a man approached her to greet her. He extended his hand to her and said, Ja, Fräulein, it is wonderful that Jesus forgives all of us our sins, just as you say. Corey was about to grasp the man's hand when she stopped. Almost immediately, she recognized his face. It was the face of one of the guards who had abused her. She remembered his face, leering, lecherous, and mocking. Her hand now frozen in midair. She had lectured on forgiveness, but now she stood face to face with a guard who had committed atrocities against her. Could she possibly forgive this man? Could you forgive someone like that? Lent is a season of penance, of sorrow and regret. It's a time for repentance and forgiveness. But it's difficult to imagine forgiving someone who has so humiliated and brutalized you. But there was no one more humiliated and brutalized than Jesus. He was rejected by his own people. His own followers deserted him. One of his closest associates betrayed him. One of his best friends three times denied having anything to do with him. He was tried in an illegal trial by the Jewish leadership and then proceeded to beaten, be beaten. He was taken to the Roman governor who declared that he had done nothing worthy of punishment. Nevertheless, Pilate had delivered him over to be scourged and executed. Jesus became the target of a huge array of, of verbal abuse. The chief priests and the elders scoffed at him, accusing him of being a false prophet and a blasphemer. The Roman soldiers mocked him by donning him in a pretend royal garb. They pressed a crown of thorns into his head and, and placed a reed in his hand as a scepter. And they bowed before him and they pretended to worship him. And then they took that reed and they beat him. They placed him on a cross with stakes. And even as he hung on the cross, the priests and the people reviled him. But even more than verbal abuse, Jesus was the target of intense physical abuse. If you've seen Mel Gibson's, Gibson's movie, the, the Passion of the Christ, you can perhaps begin to visualize it graphically. But not even the Passion of the Christ can convey the full ghastliness of the crucifixion as Jesus was beaten black and blue with fists and rods. 
His scourging involved the lacerations of a, a cat of nine tails with pieces of sharp bone and metal embedded at the ends of the cords. They left deep, deep, bloody ribbons of skin and muscle across his back. His wrists and feet were fastened with stakes to the cross. He hung naked, bloody, and in an agony, laboring for every breath. The full sight and smell of his bodily functions before all who passed by. And maybe worst of all, hardly anyone cared. As the Romans put it, Jesus was damnatio abistus, meaning Jesus was condemned to the death of a beast. Rutledge Fleming writes this, the crucifixion is an enactment of the worst that we are, an embodiment of the most sadistic and inhuman impulses that lie within us. The Son of God absorbed all that, drew it into himself. All the cruelty of the human race came to focus on him. End quote. Yet, in the midst of these atrocities and horrors, some of the first words that proceeded from Jesus' mouth as he hung on the cross was a prayer. It was a prayer to his heavenly father. It was a prayer for his persecutors. Simply and graciously, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus doesn't pray for the good and the innocent. He prays for people doing horrible horrible things he offers up us up to god's mercy how could jesus have done this how could he ask for forgiveness for those who had so abused him how could he forgive the likes of peter who denied him pilate who unjustly condemned him to death and the soldiers who so brutalized him how could he seek forgiveness for the priest who had instigated his arrest, for the crowds who had turned against him, and for those who had mocked him as he hung on a cross? How? How is that possible? There's only one reason that Jesus could forgive them and forgive, the, and forgive us. Because, you see, it was for this reason, forgiveness, that Jesus came into the world. Mark tells us that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke tells us that it was necessary that Christ suffer these things. It was necessary that Jesus might be able to witness to the depth of God's love for you and me and the whole world. It was necessary so that he might bring forgiveness into the world. Jesus declared the reason. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer 
and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name. Jesus declared from the cross, Father, forgive them. But who is Jesus talking about when he says them? Certainly them includes those who are directly involved in his crucifixion. Them, yes, is the priest and the elders who instigated his arrest, the crowds who called for Jesus' crucifixion, the Roman governor and the soldiers who carried it out. Them includes Judas the traitor, Peter the denier, and all the disciples who abandoned Christ in his time of need. But even more than that, them includes you. It includes me. Them is us. We are the complicit in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Our sins and the sins of all humanity sent Jesus to the cross. It was for our sins that he came to die. It's our iniquities that Jesus bore on Calvary's tree. Every sinful thought that we ever had demands punishment. Every act of greed that we have participated in needs payment. Every selfish indication, in, in, intention, calls, calls for a penalty. Every sin makes us deserving of death. Now my desire this morning is not to make you feel guilty. No, that's not my intention. But to help you discover the grace and the mercy of God that we so desperately need and that God makes available to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the word made flesh, is the gift of God for you and for me and to the whole world. Jesus came to be your substitute. He hangs on the cross for you. <coughs> he pleads for your forgiveness. He wins our forgiveness by bearing the full weight of our sin on the cross. The Apostle Paul writes, and when we were dead in trespasses, God made you alive together with him. When he forgave us all of our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. We need forgiveness. And this forgiveness is for you and for the whole world, for all people. In all time. But not everyone will receive it. Do you know why? Because not everyone wants it. It's through repentance that we can receive God's forgiveness. But by acknowledging our sinfulness and our sins, we receive the gift of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And today, you and I can acknowledge that. Only through repentance can we receive God's forgiveness. 
But we also, yes, we also can be assured of God's forgiveness purchased by the blood of Christ and offered to those who acknowledge their sin. God, Almighty God, promises this to you. 1 John chapter 1, 8 and 9 makes this clear. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The forgiveness that Jesus offers us is transforming. It's life-giving. Because not only can we receive forgiveness in Jesus, we can offer forgiveness in Jesus Christ to those who have wronged us. The Holy Spirit working within us empowers us to forgive others, even as we have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. In Munich, Corey Ten Boon stood face to face with her former captor. But the situation had changed dramatically. The man standing before her was remorseful and trusting in the grace of Jesus Christ. But Corey couldn't move her hand. She could not bring herself to reach out and to grasp the hand of her former abuser, the one who had humiliated her and so many others. So she prayed. But she didn't pray, Father, forgive him. She prayed, Father, forgive me. Forgive me because I can't forgive and as she prayed she sensed anew God's forgiveness working in her and her arm relaxed and she was able to reach out and to grasp that man's hand the one who had oppressed her so terribly and she forgave she forgave because she had been forgiven the season of Lent is all about forgiveness. That's what the cross is all about. Forgiveness. May that be what we are all about as well. Forgiveness. Let us pray. Most gracious and merciful God, we thank you for your gift of forgiveness. Your only son loved us so much that he came to earth and experienced the worst humiliation and pain imaginable so that we could be forgiven. And your mercy continues to flow to us in spite of our faults and our failures. Lord, help us to not only receive your unconditional love this day, but in repentance, Lord, help us to demonstrate unconditional love 
today even to those who hurt us. Help us to forgive. In silence, we speak the names of those who may have offended us. We set them free. We release them, Lord, to you. Now in silence, we forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. Lord, help us to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy, demonstrating your life here on earth. May we always choose to be kind, compassionate, and forgiving others just as you forgave us. In Jesus' name, amen.